I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. And I do have a hard stop at 12.15. Just okay, let up. me... Right, we have yeah. half an hour, so hopefully we'll be okay. We will, yeah. So we're going to shoot for 20 minutes. Oh, perfect. So we'll be totally good. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I want to welcome today, not just an average person, a goddess, and not just an average goddess, a tax goddess. Uh, Shauna is a CPA. She's got a master's in uh, taxation, uh, certified tax coach, uh, certified tax strategist. And um, she is the U.S. top 1% uh, ranked, highly sought after tax strategist. And she's passionate about helping successful business owners, entrepreneurs, and high wage earners reduce their tax burden. Having founded Tax Guys Business Services at PC in 2004, she has built a large global team of tax specialists who use plain language, oh my goodness, God bless you, uh, plain language to help her clients uh, create tax opportunities and manage uh, risk legally. Oh my goodness, uh, Shauna, I'm so excited to have you here. Um, welcome. Me, I love being out in the world and spreading knowledge and tax love, so I'm excited for today. Well, good. So, the you know we were talking in the green room and we were talking about the difference between somebody who does your taxes and a tax strategist i think you used different words and so that's how inept i am what are the right words and what does it mean absolutely well i think this comes from a lot of people believe that their tax preparer their cpa their accountant you know whoever's preparing the tax return uh, that that person is actually bringing strategies for the preparation of your tax return. However, if you wait until you go to file your tax return to implement strategies, the year is already over, right? The year was over December 31st. So a tax strategist comes in before the end of the year and helps you work on tax strategies to minimize legally, of course, minimize your taxation so that when you bring your files to your tax preparer, CPA, accountant, whoever's, whoever's preparing, when you bring your files to that person, your overall tax liability has significantly reduced. So when you look at a financial team that a business owner should have, you're generally looking at a bookkeeper who handles your day-to-day, -day, your tax strategist who helps you implement strategies during the middle of the year, right, as you're progressing through the year, and then, of course, your tax CPA who's filing the final tax return with the IRS. So. Got it. And, and so the uh, something else you said, again, in the green room, you said your CPA keeps you out of jail. The, the tax strategist helps you find the line 
to where you go into, you know, helps you find where the line is. You got it. Well, and so we coined this the aggression scale. Okay. So if we're thinking about this, tax strategies come on a scale between zero and 10. Zero meaning the IRS will never call you, never except for random audit, because of course that can happen. And 10 means that you're all going to jail. Okay. So most of us, right, I'm, I'm a redhead and red and orange do not go well together, right? So I'm not going to jail. Nobody's going to jail, right? So normally a tax strategist will sit at about a seven or eight. And so when we ask you as an entrepreneur, well, where do you want to be? Because it's your tax term, right? You're the one signing the bottom of that line. Some people, most entrepreneurs, a little more risk friendly, right? So most entrepreneurs will say seven to eight. But some will say zero to two or three or a four or whatever that is, right? So when you look at, you know, the bookkeepers are generally zero to two. Most good CPAs, if you ask them that question, where do they sit on the scale? Most good CPAs are going to say four to five. You know, give me the proof, show me the backup for the strategy you want to take. But most entrepreneurs sit at a seven or an eight right? I, I want all the strategies, don't want to go to jail, and I want to have all the backup, but I want to take every legal strategy that I can, right? The laws are written for a reason, I want to use them. Mm -hmm. So you really have to figure out and, and build your team based around the aggression level of you as an owner, right? Who, who are you and what is your family goal when you look to build this team? So Okay, team. Let's talk, talk. Let's talk about team. What are we talking about? Absolutely. So let, let me come at it this way. For most of us, when we start our business, now, now my business right now is we're going to turn 19 years old in 12 days from today, from the day of audio here. To, we're going to turn 19 years old. When we very first start, all of us, when we very first start our company, you are the cook, the cleaner, the bottle washer, right? You you do all the things, right? And when it comes to finances, that means you're probably doing your own books, paying your own bills, uh, you know, potentially filing your own tax term with TurboTax, which is like stab to the heart, stop doing that, okay? But you know, for many of us, we just don't have the money yet when we first start. So you do everything. As your business grows and as it changes, you start adding people that have specialties, right? You add an administrative assistant to help you with some of the admin tasks. You add an actual cook in your restaurant so you're not behind the griddle, right? So you start adding these specialists. The specialists, when you're looking at a financial team, the specialists that you want to have on your team are the bookkeeper, the tax strategist, and of course the CPA. And generally, there'll also be a financial advisor. So somebody looking at, we have extra money. How are we going to invest it? How are we going to grow it? Uh, somebody to bounce financial ideas off of. So when I say team, that is in my mind, the perfect combination on the finance side. Um, and of course, as you get bigger, you know, if you're a thousand person company, you'll have your own internal accounting team, CFOs, controllers, you know, that kind of thing. So. So a lot of small businesses will have either a fractional CFO or a full-time CFO, even without a thousand employees. Where do they fit on the team? Absolutely. Definitely part of that. Now the CFO, so if we look at those different roles, the, the bookkeeper and the CFO, in my opinion, are kind of more on the day-to-day -day transaction side, 
right? So bookkeepers doing the day-to-day, CFOs maybe looking at your stuff monthly or quarterly saying, okay, here are big picture directional changes we need to make, or we should go focus on this new uh, acquisition, you know, wh- whatever it is, whatever the goals are. When you look at taxes, that tends to be then the tax preparer and the tax strategist. Those two things go together. Tax strategist working throughout the year, tax CPA generally filing at the end, maybe a mid-year meeting, like a six-month meeting. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the financial advisor who kind of sits out and outside of the operations of the company. The financial advisor would be looking at bigger picture stuff, typically more long-term. So uh, six months, a year, or five years, 10 years, that kind of thing. So Okay. Now, let's say you have somebody who says, you know what, I optimized my tax strategy five years ago. I'm good. Why do I need to do anything else? What's happened that would make that a bad statement? I'm smiling and doing air quotes. I'm good. Five years ago is actually really key. There was a major change in the tax law on December 31st, 2017. So five years ago, depending on when you're listening to this, right, five years ago, is a big change. If you did your tax plan before that change, it was six zero sixty percent of the tax code changed. Six zero. So if you wrote your tax plan before that deadline, you're in deep trouble. Now, even if you wrote it after, let's say you wrote a tax plan last year. Okay. The, the, one of my favorite bits about what I do as a tax strategist. Okay. The IRS sends out an update three times a day, every day, Monday through Friday three times a day. And that is on top of the typically weekly updates from the state, plus all the updates at the state um, state and local level, right? So the cities, the localities, this kind of thing, okay? So you've got two big factors here. One, laws change three times a day, right? So unless you had the plan written two hours ago, it's already changed, right? So that's the first one. Secondly, not everybody on your financial team understands all of the same knowledge. This is why you have a team. So your CPA, who is great and has never gotten you audited and you've worked with them for 20 years, fantastic at filing forms. However, when do you think, really, when it's April 15th and they are green eye shade on and face down in that paperwork, do you really think that they read the three updates from the IRS? that day or the next week when they're on vacation or right different professionals have different roles it is the job of a tax strategist to make sure that we know every update every rule every change three times a day from the irs right so five years ago you're you're a little out of date at this point yeah um so what would you say you know just kind of let's let's throw out a a nugget for the listener here what's a what is a tax deduction or tax strategy that most small business owners should be taking advantage of, but are not? Oh, okay. Well, it's so, it's so funny because you mentioned the green room right now. I'm, I'm, can I give three? I'll talk fast, but can I sure. give three? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So the first one, because we were covering it in the green room is the master's exemption. Now, sometimes it's called the Augusta rule. Okay. So if you have a separate entity from yourself, an LLC, an S-corp, a partnership, you know, some sort of separate, so sorry, I'm getting all worked up here about talking tax code. If you are talking, if you have a a separate entity from yourself, so LLC, partnership, S-corp, C-corp, 
your business can actually rent your primary residence or secondary residence or boat or cabin or whatever it is. It can rent that space from you and pay you rent for that space. Those rents are 100% tax-free if you do less than 14 days a year. So- okay. And that, that's actually a question I have. Love it. Up to 14 or does that, does that including mean 13? 14. Including 14. Yeah, so under 15. Okay. Yeah, 14, 14, good. Yeah, 14 days, right? So I should be clear, it's not 14 events. You can't have a week-long event 14 times, right? Yeah. It's 14 days specifically. Um, and I think what a lot of people, you know, we've been seeing this a ton right now on TikTok and YouTube and, you know, all the social medias, Facebook, you know, use this particular thing. I think what a lot of people miss is doing the research on what your fair market value of that rent actually is. Because I'll give you a very good example. We've got some clients living in Texas, their rental rate per day market, you know, they've checked the fair market value. They've called some hotels, they've called some conference centers, they got the rates, right? They figured out near them, not in a big city, if they're in a little city, you know, these kinds of things. But the smallest rate I've ever seen is about $500 per event. The largest rate I've ever seen is 18,600 per event. And that was in Manhattan. Okay. Wow. So if you're looking at 18,000, I'm going to run that number, 18,600 times 14 events, the person in Manhattan just took a business expense, 100% tax-free business expense for 260,400, $260,000 of cash that that business owner got to just pull out of their bank and put into their personal bank and they don't have to report it. Magic. Boom. Awesome. Boom. So that's the first one. I promise three. Second yep. one is paying your kids. Okay. If you have children that are, or grandchildren, this works with grandkids too. If you have family lineal descendants that are at least seven years of age, right now, uh, 2023, this number changes every single year, you can pay them up to 20,350. So 20350 per child. And none of that money is taxable. Okay? Oh my goodness. Right. So one of my favorite stories, I've got a client with 11 children. <laughs> she has seven of them that are currently older than the age of seven. So this year, 2350 times seven, she took $142,000 of money out of the business, right? Put it in the family budget. Now, the, the only thing, and this is what trips people up here, as parents, you're not allowed to use that money. You have to pay the kids the money, right? It's now the kids' money, okay? As parents, you are not allowed to use that money for food, clothing, or shelter. So you cannot charge your kids rent to get the cash back, okay? But what else are cute little children expensive with? Summer camp, a new iPad, a car, car insurance, cell phone. <laughs> There's all these, uh, private school, okay? There's yeah. all these other expenses that little ones cost the family. Those items are not food, clothing, and shelter, which means your child can pay for their own private school instead of you taking it out of your pocket and having it be non-deductible. Wow. Wow. Love it. And then the third one. Do you want the third one? I do. You do? Okay. Uh, I don't know if y'all heard it a little earlier. One of my dogs, I have four dogs. One of my dogs, boofed. 
he barked in the background of the audio. So my apologies, but it's a perfect example for this. Did you know that you can write off your dogs as security? Huh. There's some, there's some very specific rules. Of course, like everything else in the tax code, very specific rules. So the dog at its shoulder has to be taller than the height of your knee. Okay. So bigger breeds, German shepherds, uh, Rottweilers, uh, Dobermans, Great Danes, you know, b- bigger dogs, Huskies, right? Is the dog trained, which the IRS has left that word very vague. So sit, stay, come is trained. We're good. And thirdly, most importantly, does your dog either come with you to work or do you have people in your home? Remember master's exemption, Augusta rule. You're going to have business meetings and stuff at your home, right? Maybe you're calling clients, you're doing a mastermind, whatever it is. Is your dog around when there's clients or vendors or somebody else coming into your home if you have a home office? That makes the dog security. Those three things. And if qualified, that means you get to write off grooming and nails and vet appointments and food and toys, all the things, right? Right. The the, the sad news for me is uh, if we look at the Venn diagram, I love dogs. My okay. wife likes uh, loves dachshunds. So, oh. <laughs> and uh, so we will never qualify for that exemption. We need to give him some stilts. Still? There we go. Still? There we go. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, this is a good reason to say, I love you got your dachshund. I want a German shepherd. <laughs> like, this is how well, we make it work. <laughs> well, our dachshund passed away last year, but um, oh. she was providing protection because if there was a, there was a snake out there, she would jump right in the way of the snake, get bitten. That dog got bitten four times <gasps> by, oh my goodness. by copperheads. Oh my goodness. I'm just, I mean, oh my God, I'm so glad she lived to protect you three other times. That's copperheads are scary. Yeah. Well, and then one night I was out walking her and a coyote snatched her. So she didn't protect me against coyote. I had to go rescue her from the coyote. Of course. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, well, you see, you just need a German shepherd. I'm telling you, no coyote's going to beat up on a German shepherd. Problem solved. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So, um, so let's go to the salacious. Give me the most salacious tax strategy or tax story that you have. Uh, the, the best one, and I can't claim that this is mine. Wait, I have two. I have two. Uh, one was a positive outcome. One was a no-no. Okay, so let's go with the positive outcome first. This, this one is actually a court case. Um, so the IRS, the IRS has three words to allow you to deduct something. Okay. Um, those three words are ordinary, necessary, and reasonable. Okay. So, and it's completely dependent on your industry. So in your industry for what you do to make money is whatever you're trying to deduct ordinary, necessary, and reasonable. Okay. So the, the court case basically reads, we have a professional dancer and you know what I mean when they say professional. Yes. Okay. So we have a professional dancer and she went uh, surgically cosmetically and got some assets enhanced. Big, bigger assets. Okay. Right. She deducted them because ordinary, necessary, and reasonable for her to make more money, right? The new assets helped her make more money. Okay. So she deducted them. The IRS said no. They actually had to go to a court of appeals. And the appeals judge said, listen, IRS, did you or did you not collect more money because she had bigger assets? And the IRS, well, yeah. And so the appeals judge said, well, so she's following your rules overturned. 
So professional dancers, appearance, cosmetic, whatever it is, <clears throat> ordinary, necessary, and reasonable key factors. Okay. Wow. And I would love to hear the second one, uh, but I know we're getting tight on time. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I love no, no, no. This is this is fascinating. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I I can't tell you how much I want to hear the other one. Uh, but the um, but one of the things, you know, again, this is Leaders and Legacies podcast, and a couple of questions that we like to ask is how you're showing leadership, you know, how you're developing leaders in your company. Um, you know, my my big story is, you know, I. Uh, it was actually just about two years ago. Uh, I unexpectedly went into a six-week co coma, and my employees ran the company without me. And yeah, I was just amazing. So, what are you doing uh, to develop leaders in your life? And that's the first question. And the second one that I want to work in is: What is a white-knuckled moment where your leadership was kind of put to the test, where you you had to make some tough decisions? had to show some bold leadership and you weren't sure how it was going to work out. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So tax goddess, my, my company tax goddess business services. Um, at the moment we have about 90 people, nine zero on staff. And what we've built is a, a, in my mind, a proper organization structure. So you have me as an owner, we have a team that we call the core ops. These are the people making the, the big decisions. Right. And then we have our department heads, that manage over their staff, right? So we have a tax department and a bookkeeping department and marketing department, you know, di different departments, right? So about two years ago is when we moved into having a proper departmental kind of structure. And for a lot of our leaders, that was new to them. You know, they'd always been leaders in their department. You know, they've always spoken up and tried to help and try to build and create and make things better, you know, leadership type qualities. Uh, but there was never any formalized leadership or leadership training or anything like that. So we, we set up a formalized structure and it took a good year for my, my leaders, we call them HODs, heads of departments, uh, it took about a year for my HODs to really kind of get into their role and learn what they were supposed to do and, and really start to pick up, and, and there's still so much to learn, but start to pick up those management type qualities and management type things. So for example, you can't just go to somebody and say, your work sucks, right? How do you coach? How do you train? How do you, do you want to keep that person? Are they worth keeping? Or should you be looking to hire somebody new? You know, these are a lot of the decisions and, and types of training that for most people, they don't have, they never get this opportunity. And now that we have, now that my HODs are, are trained, I would call them hundred percent, you know, but we're getting there. We're a lot better than we were two years ago. Right. Um, now that they're trained, we are starting to push that knowledge down into the teams, right. To start to create seniors, above juniors, right? To, to really start to raise every single person in the entire company through a, what we call them growth paths, right? Where do you want to be? Do you want to be the management growth path? So at some point in the future, you will become department head, or do you want to go the technical senior growth path where you are 
the knowledge of whatever that department is, you know, and, and really looking at those different structures. So um, it's been fascinating and lovely from my perspective to see the growth and change in my people. Um, and that leads me to the bare, the bare knuckle moment, yeah. <laughs> which is at one point we had one of our department heads who um, didn't like, this was way early on in this process, um, didn't like the process, didn't like the structures, didn't like the rules and regulations that, you know, when you build structures, there's, there's rules that come along with those kinds of things. Uh, didn't, didn't like those things. And in the background was accessing data that they were not supposed to access and we're having private conversations that they were not supposed to have and, you know, these kinds of things. Um, and so it was, it was, a very scary moment for me um, and for the rest of our department heads because we knew that we had to get rid of this one particular person. And what we didn't know was there, there were a good 10 people maybe under this one person and they are key, they still are key uh, to our organization. Were they all just gonna leave or were they gonna stay or what what was gonna happen? And, and that was a very uh, white knuckle moment. I remember, and, and I speak a lot, you know, I'm, I'm, I talk a lot. <laughs> For, for redhead I'm constantly constantly chatting um but you know I remember preparing for the day when I was going to go speak to the, those 10 people and say which, which way are you going you know here's what happened and here's here's how I see it and we were lucky every single one of those 10 people stayed with tax goddess and uh are still with us today so uh white knuckle but we made it through so good good stuff so. Wow. Congratulations. And, and, you know, this is a question I ask all, all of my guests and everyone talks about how they did that bold thing and it worked out and obviously doesn't work out all the time, yep. but I think it's not as big of the risk as people think. I think we scare ourselves a lot. You know, you kind of get in your head and versus just rip out the bandaid and then fix what you got to fix. If there's anything to fix, I'm, I'm with you hundred yeah. yeah. percent. Well, I know I, I could talk to you for the rest of the afternoon, but Aww. I know you have, <laughs> I know you have somewhere to be. And um, this has been an amazing conversation. I appreciate your time so much. Oh, thank you for having me. This is so much fun. Now you have a book coming out, the 6% life. I do I do. I'm so excited. So the pre-sale just ended. Unfortunately, you guys missed the pre-sale, but uh, this will be live on Amazon on August 21st. Um, and we'd love the help if you want to buy on August 21st. Uh, this is, so the 6% life, our clients have an average tax rate of 6.92%. Oh. So uh, yeah. Um, that's what I love about what we do. <laughs> so this book goes into seven legal tax loopholes that most people just don't even know exist, right? Their CPAs never brought them up. They were never trained on them. They've never seen it on TikTok or whatever. Uh, this goes into the top seven loopholes that people just don't know exist that are legal for business owners and for entrepreneurs. And uh, as, as a part of the book, we have created a tax coaching group called the 6% Life group. So if you are finding that your CPA is not bringing you tax strategies, but, but you love your CPA, you've been working with them forever and you don't want to leave them, uh, you are more than welcome to come join our 6% Life tax coaching group so that you can learn strategies to bring back to your CPA. So That sounds great. And how do people reach you? 
easiest uh, taxgoddess.com. Super easy to find. So easy, easy to find, easy to remember. <laughs> Shauna, thank you. What a delightful conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.